There is only one true god. All others are little G fake imposters and deceivers. The only god has a name. We translated Yao there. He revealed himself to ancient Israel as the creator god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He created everything. Humans rebelled against God, bringing murder, death, labors, and trouble into the world. Angels rebelled against God, mated with humans, thus corrupting our DNA. Humans could not obtain correct positioning or righteousness before God and undo the sickness, hatred, and pride in eternal death. The law given to Moses only proved how impossible this was. God loves humans so much that he became human to offer a free way back to correct positioning with him. A way to undo the rebellion. Jesus the Christ was God in human form. Jesus was not just a prophet, a teacher, or ancient healer, but is God. God sacrificed his body and blood to bring humans back. God defeated death upon resurrecting from the dead, thus bringing in his kingdom against powers of wickedness. Believe this, and ask God's spirit to come into your spirit and restore your correct positioning in him. Kapow! Ha <laughs> ha. Haven't heard that in a long time, huh? I used to play that all the time for years when we first started. It's the gospel message in a very succinct nutshell. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, one time uh, at Calvary Chapel, I was uh, attending and playing drums at in a beautiful town of Nuevo, California. Uh, One of the gals there had heard that we did a radio show and stuff. We didn't talk uh, too much about it to people because... You had to kind of be ready for what we were talking about, especially back then. We did a lot, a lot of demonology, talked a lot of stuff about that and deliverance. And this gal was bipolar, uh, a former drug addict, and she had a lot of a lot of issues and stuff like that and needed more deliverance, obviously. Um, but she, uh, she listened to our show and she heard that beginning, the gospel message, and it freaked her out so much. That next time we saw her at church, she goes, it scared me. It scared me. She goes, it sounded like a demon. And I tried to tell her, I go, it wasn't a demon. It's the gospel message. It, it, it takes you all the way from Genesis to now and why you need Christ. But it scared her so much, she never listened to the show again. So uh, <laughs> that's a typical reaction of a, of a demon uh, that's attached to a person because the demon will make them scared of... Um, deliverance or the gospel message or things like that. It happened to my sister. She went to read our book and um, she had a strange experience and she had a bottle of water in one hand and a uh, there's a, a bottle of nail polish uh, to her other hand. And as she was trying to read the book, she reached for the wrong bottle, grabbed the nail polish and put it in her mouth. And then she immediately spit it out which could have been very bad had she swallowed it. But she attributed that to a demonic force uh, that was uh, because of my book. (laughs) So she never read Demons in My Marriage Bed. Amazing. That's my own sister. Incredible. Incredible. She had a a real gift at one point, a real spiritual gift. And uh, yeah, just never grew to exercise it. And that was a shame because... uh, 
she was supposed to be helping us out. And uh, you know what? And I mentioned this before, people that God sends your way to help you out and stuff with gifts. If they fail to do that, God doesn't necessarily replace them. You're just kind of on your own. Um, if you're working with somebody and they take the hand off the plow and bail out on you, it's not like God sends somebody else to to grab that portion. You're just kind of uh, got to pick up that slack. Yeah. So at least that's been been my experience. But uh, but God grows you for that and gives you the additional tools. So that's happened to me several times in my life, several times uh, where people were involved with uh, with me and um, the ministry and things like that, and have left for various reasons, and they weren't replaced. It, very sad. One young man, um, boy, he had a he had a prophetic gift, and boy, he's I've never heard anybody pray like he would pray over us. Unbelievable. The the insight God would give him and the prayers. He was just such a beautiful brother. And he went sideways when he met a little demonic donut dolly who uh, took him to a sexual revolution. Little older gal. But you know what? He he opened himself to that. He was he had a heavy background in the occult. And uh but he kept dabbling with um you know, Renaissance fairs and making demonic masks and doing, he kept dabbling with it. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, got the best of them. Didn't learn. Anyway, that's not what uh, I'm going to talk about today. Uh, today will be Monday, the 19th. So I figured I'm going to do a nice mellow show for you because here comes Thanksgiving and, uh, you're thinking about a uh, hundred different ways how to get out of it, but you can't. And you're going to be sitting with a bunch of people that uh, you'd rather not be sitting with and talking to anyway. And um, so, you know, you don't want to just stand up and start talking politics. And you don't want to stand up and start talking about grand solar minimum or nephilim or um, quantum physics or CERN. <laughs> so you just go, oh, my goodness, I just got to keep my trap shut and get through it. So I figured, hey, I'll do a show for you. And then you could just put your earbuds on. And uh, go sit in a corner and listen to my soothing voice for a while. Yeah. Then when you get back, you'll go, wow, he's so mellow. He's so zen. What happened to him? Okay. You know, I'm just joking. But anyway, I have to do a Thanksgiving thing too. And uh, I'm not real thrilled about going, but uh, he needs to do what you needs to do. Anywho, uh, I'm only thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And his redemption. That is it. Yep. Yep. What God does for you. So today I want to talk about, uh, you know, some trials and tribulations. Here's the deal. We become Christian and um, especially if you're a new Christian and you, you, you don't have anybody guiding you through all this stuff. You may have a tendency to think that everything's cool, especially because there's an elation period. You know, there really is an elation period. You just feel so free and all this stuff drops off you. And you might think that uh, your problems are over, but they're not. Uh, Being a Christian is not easy. It's really, really, you're in a trial period in a probation period on this uh, great flat earth, (laughs) seriously. And um, under, under the firmament, and God's looking down, but this whole society, the whole, uh, everything that runs the earth, all the kingdoms are run by this fallen angel, Satan. And 
all the hierarchy under him, the powers of the air. And so you're here to pass that probation. You're supposed to get through that through the tools, the provision that God has provided us. And that's through our Lord Jesus Christ and his redemption. And we do that, we have eternal life. If we can overcome, if you'll be an overcomer, you will have eternal life. You will be made immortal, not just um, immortal, but eternal, eternal life, living forever in the presence of God. But God is holy and uh, he doesn't allow unholiness. Unholiness can't come into his heavens. That's why Satan is booted out and that's why he'll be destroyed at the end. Okay, so we all get that. But as we go through this probation period, as we go through, we're justified in Christ, but then we go through a sanctification period where God is sanctifying us unto him. He's growing us. He's teaching us. We're learning about him. We're becoming Christ-like. Our, our nature is changing and we become new creatures in Christ. And that's not easy. There's a lot of stuff that will fall off you, that will drop off you, and some of it's very painful. And I can just look back at my own life, and I'm sure you can look back at yours and see some of the things that you used to do or used to be may not even necessarily evil, but maybe you were just really good at something at work or um, like I was really good at martial arts. Um, I was uh, I was good at work and leadership. Um those kind of areas. And after, after I got saved, I lost a lot of that because a lot of that was not of God. God wanted me to be humble. God didn't want me to go and be a barn stormer anymore, uh, bossing people around and leading them around and I'm the leader, you know, and I was, I was really into all that stuff. I went to West Point leadership and a whole bit as a police, uh, lieutenant as a police manager and I would take leadership course after leadership course and um, it was a rising star so to speak at one point but when I got saved everything changed because now I had morals and I had a conscience, and then I was trying to live biblically and a lot of things that I was required to do uh, in police work did not align with uh, Christian biblical Christian standards in um, my particular situation uh, also, martial arts. You know, I tried to stick with the martial arts after my salvation and um, till God revealed to me the, the origin of everything. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I even, uh, I, I was a, a third degree Mason at the time. I never rose above third degree uh, Mason, the Blue Lodge. But a friend of mine who got me in, his his father was the master. And I really liked this guy. And I really liked those men there. And it, it, it was really painful for me to hurt their feelings to demit. And they wanted to meet with me and, and ask me why I left the lodge and what was going on. And um, I, I just, <laughs> it was hard for me to tell them that, hey, I got saved and I, I can't do the occult stuff anymore. So anyway, I can go on and on. But, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Things will drop off of your life, uh, relationships, uh, family. Church, religion. Uh, oh, there's so many people that just were just are so wrapped up in church that that's their whole Christianity. And when that drops off, when they find that that's not what God wants them to do, it's devastating. 
um, also things in the word that you thought were true uh, and they're not. And then you find out what the Bible really uh, tells you, what God's really saying. It's, uh, it could be painful. It could be very weird to go through. So many of you have been through that and you still go through that because we never quit. We never get um, through the testing and the trials until that end of that day when our Lord returns and he resurrects us either from the dead or uh, raptures us, res- a live resurrection at his return, and then we're transformed. And then we go through the judgment and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in. And when we eat of that tree of life, then we'll gain eternal life. We will be overcomers and we'll be rewarded for that. But until that point, you're going to go through trials and tribulations. Now, Peter says, excuse me, I had to drink a little coffee. Peter says, count it all joy when you go through these uh, testings, these provings, right? Man, you struggle with that scripture because I'm Count it all joy, really. I mean, how can I be happy about this? Now, once it's over, once it's over, you can look back and go, well, praise the Lord. He brought me through that proving ground. And, um, you know, I learned something. Now, you, you <laughs> trust me, you don't go through these trials and proving grounds often and come out and go, I did the right thing. I made the right decisions. Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes that happens and, and praise the Lord, right? But sometimes you really screw up. And the learning process is in your screwing up. You know, you look back and go, wow, you know, <laughs> look what happened here. I, and I can, I can tell you story after story of, man, what I've been through. Uh, where, you know, the kind of trials where you, I really had to, I really had to come to grips with my faith. What, what did I really believe in? Who really was God? And, what was, and who was God to me? And then I knew that I knew that there was only one God. There, there was a, a time, but in 2009, I went through a hellacious trial. In fact, I lost uh, 52 grand in it, $52,000. And uh, I was so mad because God didn't protect me from uh, shysty lawyers and stuff. Uh, I was so mad. But at the end of the day, it was like, um, what happened? It was, I was again, I'm going to tell the whole story, but at the end, I was driving in my truck on a, on this lonely country road and I was just devastated, just so mad at God and mad at everything. And I, I was just like yelling at him and just yelling to myself. And I said, you know, if, if there was another place to go religion wise, I would go there. If, if, if I knew that Allah was a real God and that Islam was the true religion, then I would, I would convert to Islam because I am so disappointed in this uh, Christian God, right? That allowed all these bad things to happen to me. And, uh, and as I was thinking that way, I was like, but I can't, I can't read the Quran. I can't go to Islam because I know it's not real. I know it's a phony. I, I already know that. And I, and I thought to myself, well, if I could go to Buddhism, if that was real, I would do it, but I can't, I can't turn to Buddhism. I already tried that in the martial arts. I tried all the, you know, the Zen stuff. I tried all the Asian, uh, even Native American spirituality. I tried all of that and it just failed. It just wasn't, it's not real. And I kept going down the list of all these different religions. Oh, I thought, oh, you know, if I knew that the, that Judaism 
was correct. If I knew I can go to a Jewish temple, you know, and that would be the real religion, I would do that. And I knew I could do that. That was, and so I went down the list, new age, everything. And when it finally came down to the thing, I was like, there's only one God. Unfortunately, at that time for me, that's what I said. Unfortunately for me, I have nowhere to turn to. I can't leave you. You're the only God that really is a real God. And I'm stuck with you. I can't go anywhere. I mean, that's how I was really talking because it was just hellacious for me what I went through. But it's like when I did that, once I said that, once that came out of my mouth, you know, that was a confession. And it was like a confession out of my heart. Even though I was so angry, it was like, if I had another God I could turn to, I would. But you know what? There is no other God. You're it. (laughs) I couldn't go anywhere, you know? And it was like, from that point on, I never once wavered in my faith on who God is to me. Never once. That was the trial I went through. And that really set the hook in my heart. As, as, as hard as that was and as weird as that was, it really, it really made me believe. So there's some amazing stuff. And I, I know you guys have your own stories and everything you've been through. Um, it's, and it's hard, man. It's hard. So I just want to go over some scriptures here while you're, uh, while you're trying to ignore your family and all the politics and, you know, your cousin standing up talking about Nancy Pelosi or Trump or something. And uh, so you just you can put this in your earbud and listen to some scripture here. Let's go to, let's go to Job, the book of Job. I mentioned this on Freedom Friday, last Friday, and it's just so good. But we're going to just go through a few verses. I'm going to read out of the NASB. And Job, let's go to chapter four. And we're just going to go uh, a few verses. And Eliphaz is talking. Now, this is um, one of the mildest of Job's three friends. And uh, he's, a little, he's a little more mellow. So this is him talking. And, and what's happening, uh, as you know, the story of Job, Job's being really tested for his moxie. I mean, huge, huge testing what's going on. It's kind of this weird cosmic bet between um, the Satan <laughs> and God. It's really bizarre. And um, so Job, Job comes out, he passes this test. And when he comes out, you know, he says something, you know, I heard of you, but now I see you. I mean, he knew kind of like my story in 2009, when I came out of that, when I realized that there was nowhere else to go, there is no real God, but only one real God. It was a game changer for me. And all that anger and in all that pain and in all that loss, 52 grand is a lot of money for me. It was a lot of money. And, uh, and just the way it happened, you know, shady attorneys, stupid family members. Um, I shouldn't have even been involved in it. And uh, I had to bail people out. It was just a horrible thing. And I just, I just thought, God was going to protect me in this situation and he didn't. And, um, but what I gained out of it was this realization that there was no other God, but one absolutely incredible for me, absolutely incredible. And uh, I have many stories like that, but Job was going through this thing where he's being really proven. He's really being tested and he has these three friends over and the way, you know, they look at it and the way I think a lot of us look at it is when you look at somebody who's going through a lot of problems, 
you think, well, they're probably going through these problems because they're not righteous or God's punishing them. My mom used to say that to me all the time. You know, God will punish you. You do, God will punish you. So I kind of grew up with a very religious uh, mother who who kind of put in my head, well, she did put in my head that God was just kind of this, uh, you know, cop behind, of a, a, behind a billboard with a radar gun and he's just waiting for you to, you know, go a mile over the speed limit. He's going to whack you. God will punish you. God will punish you. And, you know, God doesn't need to punish any of us because our own actions will reap what we sow. Our sin, the wages of sin is death. You know, if you, you go out and you live a promiscuous lifestyle, you're going to get STDs. If you live a homosexual lifestyle, you may get AIDS, right? If you rob a bank, you may end up in, in prison and so on and so on. So God doesn't need to sit there and beat you over the head. You'll get in enough trouble as it is uh, under Satan's kingdom. But it's looked at like maybe you're not quite squared away and that's why you're having the problems. And this is what they're they're kind of saying. So Eliphaz speaks up and uh, in verse one in chapter four, it says, then Eliphaz the Timonite answered, this is him talking. If one ventures a word with you, talking to Job, will you become impatient? Uh, but who can refrain from speaking? So in other words, can I talk to you without you getting mad, Job? Because I know you're upset, you know, <laughs> you're, you're doing a brother kapow, you're mad. And he says, he goes, look at, behold, you have admonished many and you have strengthened weak hands. Your words have helped a tottering to stand and you have strengthened feeble knees. In other words, Job has really helped a lot of people. Job has been a good dude, man. He's been God's man. He's had the fear of the Lord. God has protected him. God put a hedge around him. That's what the book says. There's a hedge around him of protection. And he was a good dude and he's helped a lot of people. And now he's just, he's just screwed. He's just tormented, man. He's got boils. He's sick. His kids have died. He's lost everything. Um, it's a mess. It's a mess. And in verse five, Eliphaz continues and he says, but now it has come to you. You know, this, this plight has come to you and you're impatient. You're impatient. And what that means is it's not just impatient. It's you're tired. You're weary. You've, you've had it. You're, you've, you're unhinged. It shouldn't have happened to you. This, this stuff shouldn't be happening to you. You're a Christian, right? And Eliphaz says it touches you and you are dismayed. You're disturbed. You're terrified. You're trembling. Because, well, you, you know, it shouldn't have, you shouldn't be in this position. There's something you're doing, Job, that's causing this. And we know from the story, there's nothing Job did to cause this. He, in fact, he, he did absolutely nothing. His integrity was, um, was upright. He didn't do anything. You know, it was a weird cosmic bet between Satan and God. If Satan could push this guy into cursing God. So it's a very, very deep story. And Eliphaz says in verse six to Job, is not your fear of God, your confidence? Is that, is that not your confidence? And the integrity of your ways, your hope? Well, let's stop there, folks. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that us? Don't I always preach you know, the fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom? Isn't that our confidence? Is, is, isn't that what we have our confidence in? Is our respect, our extreme 
reverence that we think God is is an awesome God, creator God? Is that not what we put our confidence in? And the integrity, the blameless life that you live, yeah, the biblical life that you live, isn't that your hope? Well, our hope is in Christ. We know that. Our hope is in Christ, but we're, we are living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. Is, is that not our integrity? So it's a good question, and he's, he's absolutely right. And he tells Job, remember now who ever perished being innocent. So there's the rub. So you have confidence in God. You're living a biblical life. You have great integrity. But but think back. Who being innocent ever perished? <laughs> so in other words, you can't be innocent, right? You have to have done something. Well, that's not necessarily the case. And we're going to unpack that. Because in a way he's right, because you will never see a true biblical Christian living under a mulberry bush, totally desolate. God will sustain his children. They may go through trials. You might be going through something right now that just, you don't know how you're going to get over it. You're just going, where's God in this? But he's not going to let you perish. He's not going to let you perish in your fear of the Lord and in your innocence, you're guiltless, you're clean, but it doesn't mean you're not going to be proved. And that's where it's really hard because when you're going through the proving ground, it's hard to look at that light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm not here telling you that that's easier. That's what you should do. Obviously I'm telling you this teaching right now because I'm not going through something really he- heavy. If I was going through something really heavy, I, I wouldn't probably be able to talk to you about this. It, it's because it's, it's really hard. It's only afterwards at least for me, that you look back and go, wow, praise God. You know, <laughs> it's, it is not easy. It's a proving ground. You're on probation. Got to overcome. Got to be overcomers through Christ, right? So then he goes, he goes, where or where were the upright destroyed? And so in other words, remember, Job, whoever perished that was innocent and, where, and tell me, where were the upright destroyed? Because they were upright. Well, they're not. They're not. But yet, Job's going through this trial. So the problem is with Eliphaz. Eliphaz sees Job's trial not as a trial because that's hard to see that. You don't know that. You don't know the mind of God. But he sees it as a destruction. He sees it as, man, this guy's crashing and burning. He must have done something really, really bad to uh, irritate God. And he's being punished, Right. And this is the lesson we need to take out of this. The difference between someone who's living in sin and the wages of sin are death. As opposed to someone who is living in Christ, but they're going through the proving ground. They're going through, it's all in the New Testament. Paul talks about it. Peter talks about it. Our Lord talks about it all the time, right? Even in the Lord's prayer, lead us not into proving but deliver us from the evil one, right? Just like deliver us from the, the stuff that Job had to go through, right? But you have to go through proving because, man, that's what creates character in you. It, it builds your faith, right? That's what builds the faith. And when faith is done, man, you're like a perfect person. 
you know, not that you're not going to go through this stuff no more, but that you now you have the, the Christian maturity, the spiritual maturity to deal with it on a spiritual level and according to what the word of God says and, and according to your faith, right? Not just what your eyes see, but what you know. Uh, one time, you know, Ms. Kapow and I were going through, I mean, we went through a lot of stuff. <laughs> Boy, you read our book, Demons and Demons in My Marriage Bed, A True Story of Spiritual Warfare. Please get that book. Hardback on Amazon. You can get it as an ebook on Amazon. A lot of different things. Get the book, really. Man, you'll see what we went through. Demons in my marriage bed. But at one point, uh, we were going through stuff, and God had given me a word for her. And it was, you know what? It's not what you see that's true. It's what you know. It's not what you see, dog. It's what you know. It's what you know. What do you know? You only know by faith. Okay? So it's not just with your eyes. So in verse 8, Eliphaz says, According to what I have seen, what I look at, those who plow iniquity, those evil, those evil sinners, and those who uh, trouble, who sow trouble, right? They harvest it. That's just like I said. Now, if you're if you're a promiscuous homosexual out there, you may get AIDS. If you're a promiscuous heterosexual, you're going to get an STD. If you're uh, you're doing a lot of dope, uh, you're going to get mental illness. If you play with the occult, you're going to get demons. I mean, you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying, if you plow iniquity and sow trouble, you're going to get it. And then he says, by the breath of God, they perish, and by the blast of His anger, they come to an end. And then he goes on. So let's let's stop there. Let's stop there and let's just go and hang around. Verse six, is not your fear of God, your confidence in the integrity of your ways, your hope? So Eliphaz said, if that's the case, then why does your life look like someone who's sowing iniquity? <laughs> you know, who's who's um, plowing iniquity and sowing trouble. Your, vi- your life looks that way. But God sees everything. So if your life looks like that right now, Maybe this is the message for you because you're being proven and you've got to dig deep and go, God, let me learn the lesson. See, the quicker we learn the lessons, the less we have to go through it. That's true. You see, because it is a proving, it is a testing. Um, the Bible always uses the reference of like uh, smelting silver or gold in the heat, the smelting process gets rid of the dregs and the impurities of that metal. So the sooner those impurities get away, the quicker the process is over. You got the the silver. So that's just a principle. Um, Now, I didn't learn that lesson and it would take me several shots to learn the lesson because of my uh, stupidity. Uh, And hopefully... You're not that way in that when you go through a proving ground, you can recognize it now and go, Lord, what do I need to learn? What do I need to take away from this and grow? All right. So we're going to hang around here. It's not your fear of God, your confidence and the integrity of your ways, your hope. So doesn't Job's fear, his confidence, his, his, his respect for God, that he knows God's the creator God. Does it come to nothing? 
so that it, it, his life looks like this now? Is, is it worthless? Right? The question is not your fear of God, your hope, and the uprightness of your ways, your confidence. Right? So Eliphaz thinks because of that, you're not innocent because you're perishing in front of me because he doesn't recognize the proving. <laughs> he doesn't recognize the proving. We have to recognize the proving in our lives. If you, in fact, are walking in the spirit and walking with, with God and not outwardly, purposely living a life of sin, that's a whole different story because you can be in prison crying out to God, why, why? And it's because you robbed the bank or you killed your wife that you're in prison, not because you're being tried for your faith. Get it? So Luke 13, 2 and 3 even shows that though there's a, a divine government of retribution, even in this life to some people, that we cannot always judge by the outward appearance of what someone's going through. And in Luke 13, verse 2, Jesus says to his disciples, do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? And he's talking about the tower that fell on these people and killed a bunch of people. So we say, do you think just because they died, they were greater sinners than anybody else? Um, no, you can't always judge by that outward appearance. One event is outwardly to the righteous and to the wicked. Ecclesiastes 9.2 says, it is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good, for the clean and for the unclean, for the man who offers a sacrifice and the one who does not sacrifice as the good man is, so is a sinner. As a swearer is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. Well, what is that fate? It's death, right? It's death to all, everybody. But now we're in Christ and we could obtain eternal life if we overcome through the blood of Christ and the testimony of Christ. We know that. We've got to hold on to that. That's our faith. But yet we must take it on trust that God does, in fact, deal righteously even now with us. In Psalm 37, 25, the psalmist writes, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. Think about it. So say, you're never going to see a biblical Christian, somebody really walking the spirit, living under a mulberry tree, totally desolate. They might die of cancer. We all die. They might have some losses. They have some problems, but they won't be forsaken. God will not forsake you. He will sustain you. He will sustain you. Isaiah 33, 16 says, he will dwell on the heights. His refuge will be the impregnable rock. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. He's talking about the God-fearer. So judge not by a part, but by the whole of a godly man's life. So you can't just look at Job like Eliphaz did and say, because I see you 
scraping sores from your body. Your wife just cursed, you know, cursed you, said, why don't you just curse God and die? Give up. You've lost your kids. You've lost everything you own. You're not respected anymore. You're outside of the gates of the city. You're, you everybody thinks you should be dead. Just curse God and die because you did something wrong. Then you have to look at the whole part of a godly life. And by his end, even here, the end, and we know that Job's end was greater than his beginning. In James 5.11, James writes, we count those blessed who endured. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Yeah, James even wrote about it. The outcome was so far greater than what he had gone through. I'm sure at the time he didn't think that. I know at the time he didn't think that. Either did his friends. Because it's really, really hard to see unless you're out of it. Like I say, I can give you story after story of going through these crazy provings and testings. And when I got out, when I looked back, I went, man, I learned something on that. I'll never do that again, or I'll never think that way again, or God really instructed me a certain way. And the more you learn and the more he can trust you, the less hellacious stuff you really have to go through. Because you're exercising your faith and, you, and, and, and you, you're able, because you've been reading the word, you have something to squeeze when you need something to come out. If you don't have the word in you, you don't know where to go. So it's important that you have the word in you because the Holy Spirit will remind you what truth is. So the one and the same outward event is altogether a different thing and it's inward, it's inward bearings on the godly and on the godly. So what might look the same, like, oh man, Job is going through this hellacious, you know, thing. But what happens on the inside is totally different. And that's where God's at. And if you're going through something or you're hearing this message and you and you do go through something here pretty soon and, and the Holy Spirit brings this message back to your remembrance, think that that's where God's at. He's in the inward, he's, he's concerned about your inward dealing here. So even prosperity and calamity can be a punishment to the wicked. We go to Proverbs 132. It says, for the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So if you're wayward, you're complacent, you got money, you don't need to work, you won the lotto, blah, blah. it's going to kill you. It's going to destroy a fool. See, it's what goes on inside. Trials and chastisements are for the good of those who love them, to, to love God, to the righteous. That's God chastises his sons, his daughters. He chast he he wants to grow you so that you could be an overcomer. He wants to give you eternal life. Past the probation, Satan screwed everything up. You know that you're rising above it. You're rising above what Satan has 
screwed up. You know who the real God is. You're going for the real God. You latch on to him and don't let go, folks. Don't let go. Don't let go to what you know by faith. Do not let go what you know by faith. Don't see with your eyes or hear with your ears only by faith. Don't let it go. Hang on to it. Take heed. Psalms 119, 67 and 71, 75 say, Behold, I was afflicted. I went astray, but now I keep your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. You get it? I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Oh, my goodness. Do I need to read that again? I think I do. Psalms 119, 67, 71, and 75. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. What happened before the psalmist was tried and proven? He went sideways. Hey, if I didn't, if I personally, Brother Kapow didn't go through all the stuff I went through, especially in the very early years of 2006 to probably 2010 or 11. I mean, man, I went through some incredible, weird, weird spiritual stuff. Had I not gone through that, had I not been waking up every morning at 2.05 with a smell of smoke and a fog in my bedroom for months with bizarre dreams and smells and seeing things, you know, I had snake, you know, I had literal snakes in my house. Do you know that I would have snakes appear in my house and it wasn't a figment of imagination because I had to throw blankets over them and literally put them in buckets and take them back outside. They were king snakes in my house and they would just appear. I'm not lying to you. I've had weird insects that I even went to a, let's see, endomologist. I think that's what they're called. uh, Anyway, a bug guy. Couldn't identify the type of ant I had. One of my dogs was dying. At one point, she was dying. And all around her was these little black, I called them, we called them, they were like little tanks, little army insects, these little black army insects that would appear wherever she was at. And uh, then she died and uh, those things disappeared. There was, oh, I can go on and on. So many spiritual things that are not even in the book. Some stuff we couldn't even put in the book because it was, we just, it was just too private. We couldn't put in the book. There's a lot of private stuff we couldn't put in there. Just, just really, really unbelievable. Uh, The stuff that I have seen in the spirit realm when I was being proved, when I was being tested, when I was being grown. And and God, hey, I came to God and two weeks later, I was casting out demons. He didn't wait until I matured spiritually. He didn't wait till I had a pastor over me. He didn't wait till I read spiritual warfare books. He didn't, I had no idea. He just threw me in the water. And I started fighting demons. Like within weeks, literally. (laughs) Until I gained enough strength to know what I was doing. Oh, yeah. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So my point is, 
If I wasn't afflicted, if I didn't go through those testings and those provings and those trials, I, Paul, would be astray because that was my personality. That's who I was. I had a sinful nature. I had pride. I had arrogance. I had everything. Oh my gosh. You wouldn't believe the kind of creature I was before. Oh man, you would not believe it. I would have went astray. Yes. And the psalmist says, but now I keep your word. Why makes him keep his word? Because he was afflicted. 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. That's how you learn. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me because he grew him. All right? So that is, that is my message. That's what I want to leave you today while you avoid Thanksgiving and uh, have earbuds in your ears and you listen to the Kapow Radio Show. And so when all your guests or the people you're around go, what are you listening to? You go, I'm listening to the gospel. And then they're testing your patience. Get away from me. And then when you throw the salad at them, then you go, uh, I didn't do too well, did I, Lord? Then the Lord's going to deal with your anger. Okay, you know, I'm just, now I'm getting crazy. Uh, all right, folks, that's uh, this basically that was on my heart. I, I do believe someone out there is either going through something or will be going through something soon and that these words will be brought back to your remembrance. And remember, God is faithful and he's in your corner and it, it's the work is done inside, okay? And even if you haven't gone through something uh, recently, um, there's a good chance that you will at some point here. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, buckle up. <laughs> because there's probably a good reason why you're hearing this, okay? Buckle up, man. And um, like I said, the sooner you learn the lesson, the the less less trying it is, okay? So don't do like a brother Kapow and keep keep fighting. Um, you know, I was surrounded by angels, but I kept breaching. The Lord showed me that I kept breaching my protection. I had angels protecting me from demonic forces. Because there was a literal battle for my soul, literally a battle for my soul. Apparently, apparently I sold my soul or sold out or somebody did something to me ritualistically, apparently because um, Satan had claimed to me and God says, no, 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 no. He belongs to me. And yeah, uh, but because I have a free will, it was always up to me who I yielded to. True story. And uh, so in order to get protected by demonic forces, and believe me, they came at me full force. And there was a purpose for that, to show me what they were, who they are, and and that they're not my friends. (laughs) It's not the new age stuff they're teaching you. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. They want to destroy you. And um, so God had shown me there was a a protection around me of angels. But what I kept doing is breaching that protection. And he literally showed me how I would take my arm, my hands, and I would go between the angels to then take the bread from the enemy. And um, so when he showed me that I was doing the breaches and that's why I was having the problems I was having, um, I had to knock that off. I literally had to, and I I told you this before, submit to to God, submit, like tap out, you know, like when you're doing jujitsu or wrestling, you know, you have to tap out when you're about to get hurt. And I had to tap out and submit all to God. That song, I surrender all, all to thee, my precious savior, I surrender all. That's true. 
that's the song you need to sing in your heart. You need to surrender everything, everything, your pride, your job, your kids, your wife, your family, your beliefs, your traditions, your traditions of men, folks, what you think you know, your false science. You need to surrender everything to God and and start all over. He'll create a new creature, and the new creature is far better than the junk that you came from. Um, And then when you get godly wisdom, man, your eyes open up, and you go, yeah, I understand. So uh, many of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, like I said, buckle up because you, you may need this. All right. Uh, remember, he's inside. The workings are inside. Don't look at the outside with your eyes. It's not what you see, dog. It's what you know. So with that, good night. God bless. Talk to you next week.